Hi, my name's Amanda Trout and welcome to Reality Arts Podcast. Each week I will bring you a different insight and inspiration about art, creativity and arts in health. Join me as we step out of our comfort zones, unwrap those hidden gems and move forward in our creative purpose. Hey, it's Amanda again. I've just left. And um, it's weird being in an environment that is so hot, but it's hot because, you know, obviously if you've got the elderly sitting down, then they're going to be, they're not going to be as hot as you, you know, you're walking around. But just this feeling of just come out and then the, the cold hits you, but you can hear the sounds and see the squirrels and there is a magnificent tree I wonder if it grows in the Caribbean look at it look at this tree look how big it is so I'm under its canopy now look how tall it is it's a massive tree and it's got these um like pine cones that drop and I guess it's the the ones that uh, you would use not the ones that you would use on a Christmas tree but it's a brilliant tree anyway what I wanted to talk about um, see some nettle there again that's the gardener creative gardener in me and um, I'm not sure what I think that's stinging nettle, but I'm not sure what that is. And look at, not sure whether you could see it. Anyway, it's interesting to see the um, the wildlife uh, in this in this area. But what I wanted to talk about was um it, it was just a i had a throwback as i was um, feeding my mum she stopped eating and um i was transported to when we were kids and if you didn't you had to finish your dinner not only before you could have dessert, but you weren't able to get up. And especially if you had asked for more and then decided you didn't want it, it's like, you're not gonna get up until you finish your dinner. And um, so I had a really strange um, relationship uh, rela a relationship with food so food is seen as a, there's an emotional attachment to food um, whether it, you're hungry or whether you're um, not hungry yeah hungry or any type of emotion the link is food and so mum stopped eating and um 
those feelings, <laughs> um, those feelings came up of, you know, not only when I was a child, but then when my son was a child. And um, he had, uh, I don't know, he would purse his lips together and refuse to eat. And not because he had eaten loads. He was just like, I don't want to eat now. And so I'm not eating. And he would go, mm, literally, he would purse his lips together. And there was always this tussle. And it always... You know, I always thought, well, you know, he's going to be hungry. And um, it felt as if it was a slight on me and my ability to nurture. And I think that was it. It was, it was my ability. I, was, I didn't have the ability to nurture. And the result was he decided he didn't want to eat. Now I'm grown, I realise that, you know, he didn't want to eat, he didn't want to eat. It had nothing to do with me as a mother, um, but I connected the two. And um, so when mum doesn't want to eat, or when she wasn't ready to eat, and I think it was more that she wasn't ready, it was just like, oh my gosh, you know, um, I'm useless and this and that. And I don't know if it happens to anybody else, but... Um, after I realised that maybe she wasn't ready, I relaxed, and then I said to the I said to one of the staff, you know, can I have something to cover her food? And she went off. I mean, she didn't come back. <laughs> it was just like she didn't come back. Um, but when she went off, then Mum started to eat, and it was just like, oh, okay, she just wasn't ready when when just because the food comes at 12 doesn't mean you have to eat anyway um it was uh, a learning it was interesting learning that you know the association i had to food was not just about me it was about when uh my son was little and now with mum because she can't feed herself then there is that you know feeling of it's a feeling of inadequacy but you have to realize it for what it is it's not about you it's about being more sensitive to the person that you know I have to be more sensitive to mum's needs and you know back then I had to, I should have been more sensitive to my son's needs you know he's not going to starve himself but there's that thing you know if they don't eat the food that you're, you're giving them then um, you know you must be a bad mother so, yeah, so much learning that comes in moments, um, moments of inspiration. Um, and I'm coming up to the uh, magnolia tree. Some of the flowers have come off, but there's more buds coming out. Anyway, so that's, that's it, that's it. You know, that's the uh, today's revelation. So I shall um, be sharing another one, no doubt, at some other point. Um, and I'll just give you a, a glance of the tree. Um, it's very messy though. My sister's got a gladiola. Gladiola. Big red, uh, big red flowers. And uh, they shed all over the place. Anyway, so I'm going to go now. And um, see you tomorrow. Well, thank you for listening to the first part of the show. Um, where... 
as you can hear in the background, you can hear the birds and you can hear the tweeting of the birds. And so in this second half, I will continue with my commentary and kind of expand a bit more on food, nurturing and the emotional impact of food. Anyway, so I've always had an emotional attachment to food, which started, I think, in my childhood and it has continued into adulthood and I still whilst I manage it a lot better there is still an emotional attachment and um, but it's not as um, as pronounced as it was when I didn't realize what was happening I would just have a trigger or an emotion and then I would reach for food um, and as a child um, before any of this kind of developed, but has its kind of kind of forming. As a child, I didn't think about the costs or how long or how hard our parents had to work. And we just saw things appear in the cupboard. We didn't see the hours, the stresses or worries that our parents went through in order to provide us with the standard of living they never had. So we never went hungry. There was always food in the cupboards and we always had treats. And um, I think the emotional attachment, when I think back to it, kind of goes back into um, the early formative um, kind of years where you're looking for approval, you're changing, you're um, achieving certain things, or you know, you start to see yourself, um, you start to see yourself, and you want to be seen as. Um, doing good, you know, you've seen as, um, yeah, doing good in your parents' eyes. Um, and the memories of being a child came back when I was feeding my mother um, in the home and she wouldn't eat. She turned her head and she clamped her lips together and there was something that began to be a regular occurrence when I was looking after her full time and she would decide she didn't want to eat she wasn't able to say I don't feel like this or I'm not ready she would just stop eating or hold it in her mouth and I associated this with failure and I worried that she would not only be hungry but the main thing was how inadequate that I felt that I couldn't get her to eat and as I say you know it kind of, the memories came back to my own son when he was a child and he wouldn't eat and it was just like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm not a good mother and, um, you know, I can't do this, you know, everybody's going to judge me. Um, because we got, we grew up being told that we had to eat all our food on our plate, otherwise we a wouldn't have dessert which we really wanted or b wouldn't be able to leave the table and these both filled you with um dread because the pudding was usually something we really looked forward to after dinner and i remember my mother's homemade apple pies and cakes and crumbles and they were all so tasty that they made your toes curl when you ate them and you felt you had no choice to eat all that you were given. 
And it never occurred to any of us that when we looked at the size of our plates, they were the same size as my dad's. And I can't remember how much food we had on it, but we had enough. And if you asked for seconds, you know, it was just like, not that the food would be piled on, but you got seconds. Um, and as my brother got older, because he was always the last to finish generally, he would eat slower. He learned that falling asleep at the table would get him out of eating the rest of his dinner. So he was never, <laughs> um, he never had to write, you're not gonna leave until you've eaten all your food. He would just like fall asleep and I'm sure he was pretending. Um, and then it would be like, oh, you know, no, he's tired. But as the youngest, we always felt that he was spoiled and we always kind of, you know, went on at him. It's just like, oh, it's because he's the youngest. Oh, he never gets to, you know, maybe I think a few, one or two times he was, you know, he was awake and he had to sit there. But in the end, he never got, you know, not that we were punished, but it was just like, right, you're not having dessert. Um, so every meal was there for a setup. It was like you were always set up to fail because you were always more than likely, especially if you asked for seconds, not gonna be able to finish. Um, it's unlikely that as a child you can eat an adult size meal and you end up feeling full just looking at the plate. And the combination of eating all or having to stay behind when everybody else has gone, you know, and you can hear them either watching the TV or playing in their room or whatever, it makes you assert, um, associate certain patterns of behavior with food. So don't get me wrong, my mother's food was always delicious, but when you're full, you're full. And the saying that your eyes are too big for your belly was one that I heard often because my eyes were always too big for my belly. I would always ask for more without thinking about whether I could eat it. Um, I would always ask for my favourite, that like if there was, you know, I don't know, another piece of chicken left or some, not necessarily, we wouldn't ask for seconds of vegetables, but if there was something that we really liked and we wouldn't think about, you know, whether we could eat or not. And um, invariably I would end up eating it because I thought that if I stuffed it down that it would be an achievement and I'm not sure when this particular thought came. And I thought that my parents would be proud of me. Um, and I remember my dad's face the first time I overate, and he had this look on his face that it looked like he was beaming, he was smiling, he, uh, and, and um, I took it to mean that he was proud of me. And so would always overeat, wanting to create that feeling. And it wasn't that he said, he never said, oh, I'm really proud of you. It was just like, maybe it was just the look of, you know, amazement, you know, how much can she actually eat? And he happened to be smiling and I thought that I was making him happy and by making him happy, he'd be proud of me and therefore I was doing a good thing. But, you know, it's funny what a 10 year old thinks they see compared to what is actually the case. So whilst on one hand I was overeating, we didn't, leave a, um, we didn't lead a sedentary childhood. We were always out on our bikes or our scooters 
going up to Hampstead Heath or Parliament Hill Fields and we'd have adventures and play. And where we lived, it was like about three miles to get there. So we would ride on our bikes there, be riding around all day, playing, running, and then ride all the way back. Um, but when you think of how you grew up, what associations do you have with food or did you have with food? And that's something I want you to kind of think about. I mean, maybe you never had any kind of negative associations with food or never used food as a comfort or, you know, have not used it now. Um, but it's something that I think we all have to think about. So... <coughs> That's the dog here. He's having associations with food. He's just eaten. <laughs> and he's saying he wants more. He wants to get in on the act. And, um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, definitely get in on the act. So I always thought that my son, when he was little, would want to eat everything that I made. You know, it's just like... Um, Again, that attachment to food in a different way that you're nurturing, you're providing um, comfort. Um, and when he didn't, the feelings that I was either a bad mother or I couldn't nurture started to rear its head and also appeared when, as I say, I was looking after my mother. I didn't realise at the time that my son wouldn't starve. He just didn't want to eat at the time. And mum wouldn't starve herself. She just didn't want to eat what I'd cooked or just wasn't ready. One of the most important things that my health visitor at the time had said to me was to give my son a small plate of food. And I was like, yeah, but we all eat off one side. And then, so she said, no, give him a small plate of food because when he ate, he would not associate food with failure. And it was just like, if you gave him a small plate of food, he would eat and not see all this food left. You wouldn't then have this battle of, you need to eat this, you need to eat your food. Um, and the anxiety and that he would pick it up, he would you know, stop eating and then I would get even angrier or annoyed or upset. And then there would be this cycle. But if you gave him this small plate, he would eat. He would, if he wanted more, he could ask for more. But he would leave and feel okay. Um, so I also started to do this with my mum. And um, rather than pile up the plate thinking, yeah, you know, mum used to eat these, you know, this much. You know, give her a smaller amount. And if she wanted more, she could have more. Or there were always fruit around or, you know, snacks that she could eat. And it made eating less stressful for all of us. So when we look at the food industry, we see that food is used in an emotional way by the food industry and advertisers. Making you think that you are hungry and getting us to associate food with lifestyles. So for most of us, we can remember times where an advert has been played and we immediately want the food or drink they have shown. Food is used in celebration. We have cake. Let's have cake. We also use cake for consoling ourselves. And in the films, you see people using ice cream to console a broken heart. 
In the UK, the placement of food is also worth millions of pounds and food is strategically placed for maximum effect. Um, brands can buy a particular spot to advertise the, a particular food. Um, and it's, in, you know, food is then moved around as well on a regular basis in the store so that you can browse a little bit longer and you can never find, you know, you go in one week and you know where the, you know, the particular aisle is for the particular thing and then you go in the next week and it's all moved around and this makes you weave in and out of all the aisles so that you can see some of the other things that they've added. And at the back of the store, you have the bread and the cakes. And they usually have this small bakery where they're break, baking fresh bread and they have cakes on display. And all the smells waft to the front of the store of all these freshly baked produce. And this encourages you to linger as you contemplate to maybe, oh, you know, oh, I think I'll buy a cake, you know. What's the, what's the occasion? Oh, we're just celebrating today so food has power and it can stir up these emotions it can make us feel shame it can berate us it numbs our emotions it has a way of making us feel inadequate dependent addicted but it can also soothe and comfort us make us feel nourished celebrated and revered and when you have an unhealthy relationship with food brought on by misunderstandings, these can be the hardest associations to break because it's coupled with the promotions that are being done in the media by the brands for you to buy this food now, you know, buy one, get one free, you know, 50% off or buy, buy one, get two free. <laughs> um, special offer. Um, and all of those other things that they use to market products to us. So I think I will always identify some foods as comfort foods and mine are cake and custard, chocolate cake and jacket potato. Um, the Sunday dinners when all the families would gather and there would be laughter and fun filling your bellies and either going out for a walk or sitting down together watching a film, playing games, and then moving to the kitchen, washing up and going down memory lane as we laughed on into the night. And as a, you know, um, in my early twenties when we'd all, you know, go back to mums and especially on a Sunday, and that would be our routine and it would, you know, be really, um, lovely to share memories and what we were doing and then you know as we got kids and the grandkids would run around and those were very special times so while i still have a connection with food i control it better now and i make sure that i eat foods that are in their natural state as much as possible I grow my own food and I'm focused on the impact of the food on my body and my health. And it doesn't mean that I don't have cake, but I'm aware of the consequences of the food that I eat. And I don't attach any emotion to someone not eating the food that I've cooked. It has anything to do with my abilities. I also look at how I can create 
creatively express whatever emotions that I'm feeling by working in my art journal. And that's um, something that I encourage you to try and look at how you can channel those emotions in other ways, in other creative activities. Um, but first of all, you have to stand up and admit that you have issues around food and the emotions. Um, think of the reasons why this might have come about. You know, think of something in your childhood. Was it way back, you know, when you was a kid or what you've been brought up to, um, to how to view food? So if you're feeling a particular emotion and want to eat something that you consider, well, you know, it's cake or a tub of ice cream, if you're trying to make yourself feel better or numb an emotion, I would suggest you first drink some water, go out for a walk, then do some work in your art journal. Just identify what you might be feeling and get that down on paper. You know, how, how did it start and how can you use your creative tools to make you feel better rather than that slice of cake um, <laughs> and the tub of ice cream. Know that your emotional attachments can impact on your health and well-being. So you really do need to invest in your health because there's no do-over. There's no um, refund on your health. So you have to do as much as you can to make sure you do the right thing. So. Thank you for listening. I want you to check out some of my art videos and the other podcasts and um, spend some more creative time and remember to take some time out for you. And if you want to support me as I create arts and health resources and videos and tutorials for free, then come over to my Patreon page and see how you can benefit from your support. So stay blessed and be a blessing. thank you for listening to this week's podcast you can check me out on my blog or youtube channel for more creative insights videos and reviews so see you next week stay blessed and be a blessing